Welcome to another episode of Sunday School, and I bet you've noticed a new voice. I'm Venetia Rumpf, and I'll be hosting this very important and special episode of Sunday School alongside Desiree B. Stevens, a fellow practitioner and co-creator in the Makeshift Happen initiative. Centered around the principles of ethics and accountability, our vision is geared toward cultivating true connectivity within the spiritual and wellness communities. Our goal is to establish new sustainable standards and practices through truly constructive and collaborative consultation. In short, we promote genuine solidarity within the greater collective. On October 8th, Kelly, Desiree, and I held a candid conversation to examine exactly how do we make shift happen, especially when it feels like shift hit the fan. We hope this episode will charge listeners to walk their talk toward a more respectful and responsible collective experience among all races, cultures, and creeds. This was off the heels of me getting called out regarding a product name infringement with a company owned by a woman of color. During the time of the recording, we were limited on what we can say about the matter specifically, but if you'd like more detail, you can review my statement on Instagram at modernmystic underscore shop for more context. It's our hope that this conversation will create a pathway for transparency, openness, and healing. So let's get to it. Okay, well, wonderful. Let's ask you, Kelly, why did you want to have this conversation and give us the space? Well, as you guys are aware, and many of our listeners might be, that I've been really going through a situation personally that's affected my business and the team and our reputation. And through this experience, both of you have generously offered your expertise and time so that I can move through this with a sense of true accountability and work through, you know, my own personal fears around what was happening. And so as we continue to have these conversations on an individual level with you each separately, it became, I became aware of the fact that this is, these are conversations that need to be had at a broader level. And that if other people were hearing what I was hearing from you ladies, that it would be really helpful and deeply moving and would give people a different perspective an understanding and a way to heal. And so I invited you guys to join me to have this conversation publicly because it was so really life-changing for me. And I know that it has that potential to be life-changing to our listeners. Oh, that makes me feel really good. I'm glad because I have to admit that having the conversation with you, I was so glad that I did not meet any resistance. You were super Mm. open to hear everything and you weren't dismissive. Like, no, but that's not it. You weren't defensive. You were like, okay, I'm here for this. So thanks. Yeah. Well, and it was also because of your invitation, you know, Um, both of you really had an open invitation and I think it's for people that want to grow and change to accept the invitation when it's given um, and then show up for whatever that person's willing to bestow upon you. With, with that, now since the invitation was laid out, what brought you then to show up and actually seek our assistance in this? Well, um, I, guess, I guess I could say as a white woman, because that's what I am, um, I've been very aware of 
reach reaching out or not reaching out to people of color to help through navigate some of these situations due to emotional labor and hearing that term and trying to understand it the best I can when when talking about this topics but because like I was mentioning you guys offered your assistance and time and heart so freely um, it felt like you were both wanting to make an investment in me and so I was like I'm I would be crazy not to take you up on that offer because these are the kinds of resources and conversations I've been seeking, but not knowing how to approach them. Um, that was my barrier. And then, you know, Desiree said something to me about leadership and that we are being called to be leaders in this time. And that's a name or a title or identity that I've had a hard time with, which is probably why I got myself a little bit in this mess. But for someone to actually say, I see you as a leader and a leadership, uh, your leadership potential. And if you walk through this with grace and learning and openness, we will all be better on the other side. It made me be like, I'm going to answer the call. Like sometimes you have to have someone outside of yourself say like, I see your potential. I believe in you. Even if it's gnarly and uncomfortable, I'm going to help you through this. And so I, I, I mean, so then <laughs> I'd be crazy. I feel like to let that kind of offer an invitation go unanswered. And it actually gave me the confidence to say, okay, maybe I am more resilient um, and have more leadership capacity than I than I realize. And and I appreciate you, you know, sharing that thought process and and that kind of you know your own internal journey through this up to this point, because it's not just an investment in you; it's an investment in anyone that's willing to to show up and do this work. Um, because we're all asking for people to navigate their blind spots, their sore spots. It's it's not always easy, you know being called out in any kind of way and it's like you know what there's there's truth in this because someone's seeing and experiencing this and how can i also put myself in that seat or at least allow myself to view that perspective and create whatever shift i can to make myself um go through this in in a way where where both parties both stories both truths are satisfied absolutely and to speak to the labor of black women and women of color, it was really insightful for you to think of that because yes, there is, there's nuance to everything, right? But there is a definitely a taxing portion of it as black women have had to navigate teaching and guiding constantly to white women. And it does get exhausting because it's like some of this is just not that damn hard. Like it's just not that difficult. Um, you know, there's, you know what's right, you know what's wrong. There has to be an internal balance within oneself to say, you know what, let me check in and see if this is right. And then seek, you know, counsel or like you did, accept the invitation. And I think that, um, no, I would not put that labor onto black women, but like you, you answer the call. If one comes to you and says, hey, let me walk you through this and explain to you why this is an issue or how to do an internal check-in, then absolutely take that. And many don't. So 
honestly, that's a big step. Once you said, yeah, I would, instead of that automatic push, like, nope, I have this, I'll figure it out. I'll read some book about white fragility and keep it moving. Like that doesn't, that not much is changing. <laughs> so it's much more important to take the invitation. And though I do not want to make it seem like black women should be doing this labor, I'm happy that Venetia and I are black women who are choosing to do this labor. So therefore we open the door to other people that want to do it as well. Or to white women who are willing to accept the invitation of truly digging deep and not reading a book and reposting a meme. I, I absolutely I absolutely agree with that, Desiree, because we learn best through experience. Because mm-hmm. that's what we call and upon first. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, look, it, let me tell you why this is like that. And really understanding instead of like, here, go read this book that, and then go talk in an echo chamber of other white women. It's like, I don't even understand how that's helpful. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, maybe I can, I I do have a weird question about how that's helpful. I will say that doing some, and I'd love to hear your feedback, Mm -hmm. doing some of the work of reading books like White Fragility, let's just say (laughs) in a white book club, hypothetically, (laughs) I will say going through that process, it did actually get me at least a little more comfortable with talking about it before I went and approached these conversations with you guys. And I mean, I did the white girl thing, right? Like I literally joined a white fragility book club that was led and facilitated by a white guy. Um, oh, yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying this. But but what I will say is it prepared me. It gave me at least a baseline introduction to some of these concepts, whether they're right or wrong. And it gave me a little bit of a lexicon. I feel like that's a word. And especially mm-hmm. in the work that you guys are doing, searching for the adequate words. Absolutely. And it is a little bit easier to be vulnerable among and these topics among white people first yeah. before taking that gap, bridging the gap to having these conversations with, with black women. So I don't think the work ends there, but I will say, at least for me, it did feel like um, at least an access point. Absolutely. And with that, like to give you the feedback and let me clarify myself, I'm not saying that those aren't needed. I'm saying that steps to change take steps to change. So like, great. That was your entry point. Like you said, getting the language, wrapping your mind around privilege, what that looks like, you know, having that comfortable conversation, you know, like how like black spaces are needed. So we could talk shit about white people (laughs) without being beat up about it. Um, So like it completely makes sense to me. And I understand the safety of like people. You know, that's why we get into groups, no matter what that defining line is, we get into groups of like people and that's a connection point. So we can discuss in safe spaces, but it can't end there. Like you said, that's great. We've got the language. We understand. We're kind of wrapping our minds around this concept of what it looks like to be white in America. How does it look like to other people? Because I think that's what doesn't get discussed is like whiteness as a system in America doesn't look at how it looks to other people. So doing that and starting there is a very good point. And I completely and utterly support white people doing that more and dismantling it amongst themselves. But then they can't step out 
and not do anything next because you learn some new SAT words and how to have a conversation does not mean the work is done. And that's how we get into white performative measures. Like, well, I read this book and I know what you're doing. And then, you know, white people are just running around calling out other white people. And it's like, okay, okay that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Let's get into real, let's dig into the meat now. You got the milk, that's great. You started, that means that you want to be a part of the conversation. Now let's get into the meat of it. So yeah. I wasn't knocking the white fragility yeah. thing. Just, yeah, yeah. you know, it's I, a step. No, but it's good. Yeah, for sure. But it's good to, it's good that we can ask these questions and yeah. and get different perspectives for sure. But it's, I mean, it's, it's also, it's kind of like, you know, if you want to like create like a metaphor or something or, or simile for it, since I'm using the word like, it's. It's like, you know, a, a, a political campaign versus actual, like, change in, in policy and, like, legislature. Mm. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Like, it sounds yeah. good, but what are you actually doing? Sure. Exactly. What's moving the needle? What's actually right. affecting, affecting change? For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. God, I have to sit with how deep and real that was and so simple and succinct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I may be You're, quiet, but I do yourself? that. No, Venetia's impressing me there. constantly. Yeah, no. I'm like, that's I know. my partner. You guys are, for sure, for sure. So, um, moving on to, gosh, that was like all so much. Um, yeah, take your time. So, I mean, I think we kind of covered what you were trying to gain from this conversation, and I like where it's going. So, um, speaking of steps. Sure. So after the conversation with Venetia and I separately and then together as we are now, what do you sure. feel the next steps are from your point of view? I think for me regarding this whole, it's like there's so many different layers of situations, but mm-hmm. for me, it's to continue to release. This is a step like releasing this conversation publicly to our yes. community so that um, people can understand that have been watching my sort of attempt at cancellation, for lack of a better word, how that's mm-hmm. been going down to kind of see the inner workings of what it looks like to actually be accountable in a way that's congruent with myself and actually making the the more the slower but deeper steps to um, resolve these sorts of issues. I would say. My next steps, too, is working internally within my company to understand what we can do preventatively and retroactively to ensure that these sorts of mistakes and oversights don't happen again. Is this sort of the question you're asking? Absolutely. Or, and yeah, yeah. that was the answer that I was hoping for, because that's what Venetia and I do with Shift. It's about yeah. new systems. Right. You have to have new agreements like, okay, this is what we're doing now. And then that changes the system. We can't attack systemic issues, be it racism, capitalism, misogyny, patriarchy. Any of those systems need new systems. We can't just rail against them with language like Venetia placed it like that sounds good your political platform is absolutely great I hear your words I see you sharing them what are you doing to actually make systemic change because this 
came about because of systems in place. So you dismantling your systems and going through a recalibration of sorts and creating new systems is exactly what we're trying to do here. Yeah, and it's also, you know, helped me to understand on a more micro level that some like I did have systems and the systems were aren't good enough too, you know? I mean, there's some like mm-hmm. no there's some ways in which like our R&D and product development was not systemized in any sort of way. Then there were ways in which I thought that we had created a culture where if something was awry, like I learned that someone um, on my team actually caught the mistake like a couple years ago, right? But didn't bring it to me. And that shows me that I thought I created a culture where people can bring those sort of understand. I mean, that would have resolved one of these problems potentially, right? right? So I thought that I had created an environment where people could approach me to say, hey, that's kind of fucked up. Did you realize that what it is that is going on here? So they either didn't feel safe to do it or they thought I did it deliberately and was okay with like doing something like that, which is probably even worse. (laughs) I don't know which is worse. You know, we're talking (laughs) about a lot of of really crappy things. And it's interesting because we're like, we're a tiny company, right? So we're not actually that big of a company. And I've never led a company before. Um, But that, it's like reapproaching it from really a base level. And so we're trying to come up with like more democratic systems Mm -hmm. and um, putting together more FaceTime as a group where hopefully this stuff will be able to be discussed. And what I also learned is, you know, I had been hiring uh, this woman to come in to help our team all last year with communication mm-hmm. and do team building and all that stuff. And what I learned through this is like, my team just want to hear, wants to hear from me. That actually sounds like, can we stop doing that shit? And like, yeah. Just talk to you once a month, like at a, a round table. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's because like, it's about which... connection. They don't work right. for this other person. And though I fully agree with outsourcing um, certain things, there still has to be another point. Like, again, a next step. Why I like that you pointed out um, they didn't feel comfortable to tell me something was going on. And that ties to so many things, you know, why didn't they feel comfortable? You know, their money is tied to you, you know, like, okay, if I say this to this person, am I going to lose my job? Is it like, there's a lot of systems and inner workings at play here, especially when the dynamic is white woman in power, person of color or any other marginalized group. It's like, oh my God, if she really meant to do this and I say something, am I going to lose my job? If I don't yeah. say something, am I a sellout? Like, there's so much going on. And it's and it's really, right. like, about having to really, like, decondition ourselves in these experiences because they pop up everywhere, you know, in mm. business, in personal. I'm not going to list all the areas of life that exist, but, like, you get the point, you know, and it's like, <laughs> if we look at ourselves kind of like a hard drive, it's like we have to kind of, like, defrag the, the drive and stop compartmentalizing things because we're carrying similar problems and hangups and restrictions and boundaries everywhere and not really realizing where they connect or line up and cause, you know, missteps here where they're doing fine over there, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this has been like such a learning on, on every level and such, it's sort of like exposing really on so many levels. Um, 
And I don't think, and that's why, like, we've discussed this to a degree, but that's why these changes are a little bit slow. Like, you might not see an Instagram post that says all the stuff that we're doing because it's really internal, like within our internal systems for the most part and the internal work that I'm doing and trying my best to like to be mindful and intentional with what was what we're doing. And I think it's going to take time like you don't build trust. So like if there's a culture of mistrust in my organization where people can't speak up, that's not going to change because I said it changes now. Do you know what I mean? It's like you make the changes and then they have to see I've got to prove that I show up at those meetings and I listen to the feedback and we implement it. So that even takes time. All right, Desiree and Venetia, I have a question for you. Um, what would you say to people who think that I'm only having this conversation with you guys because it's good for PR? What, what would you say to that? I mean, it's I mean, it's obvious from a business perspective that this could easily be labeled as a PR move. But at the same time, this is an opportunity to have a constructive conversation and then hold ourselves accountable for, for whatever's going on, whatever the issue is, because people are already watching. So let's talk about it out in the open. Let's talk about what we're doing to reconcile what had happened and move on from there and encouraging other people to have more of these conversations, to take certain actionable steps. Yeah. I would say, um, I think a lot of people that come into, I mean, like we're all in wellness and spirituality practice. And I think that a lot of people that come into this line of business don't recognize it's a business, right? Like, so, you know, as much as we want to, it's kind of like that, like positivity only, like love and light only. And it's like, we don't balance, like there's some darkness that, that exists within these things too. It can't always be love and light. It's, you know, it, it's, it's dark, it's murky. And it, it would be smart to, like to do a PR move. Um, but I could say that if I thought it was only a PR move, it's not to negate that. Yeah, this is, this is good PR. It's good PR for our business as well. This is, it's, this is collaborative PR. I would turn around and say that if it was only for PR, I know myself and Venetia wouldn't be bothered because then that's performative and that's allyship. And as some people know, I rail against allyship. What you're doing by having this conversation deeply, by being involved and entrenched in changing your systems and creating safe spaces for the marginalized people that work in your company to feel comfortable to come to you is about solidarity. And I am for that more than allyship and PR moves. So I would, that's my answer on him. And just to, and to follow up on that, you know, talking about love and light and kind of the spiritual community, like focusing solely on that is also very much a system of whiteness. Like, oh, yes. White is light. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like completely negating the, the, the validity and the richness and the depth of the dark and of shadow work and of that integrative process is, you know, it's also it's also a problem, you know, that that spans far, like that that contributes to this system of whiteness that we're all kind of programmed and embedded within. Yeah. Yeah. 
that makes sense. And I appreciate, you know, hopefully we can talk a little bit more about allyship versus solidarity, because I will say I was, you know, uh, as a white person, again, like looking from for cues from, you know, black communities or wherever the fuck we're getting this direction, allyship is the word and is like has been like the goal, you know? So if you're, if you want to quote unquote prove you're not a racist white person, you have to be an ally. And so that's, and I wasn't even sure like how that looks in a way that feels meaningful, true to me, powerful until sort of you know, you, Desiree, and your social matters group, you know, started saying, like, let's change this language to solidarity. And that's really empowering. That feels more and more empowering. You're absolutely right, Kelly. Solidarity honestly really does feel better. And since since we're speaking about like the actual like defining words in order for us to define our actions, I'm I'm always pulling up definitions. So I pulled up the definition of solidarity. Me too. And it's unity or agreement of feeling or action, especially among individuals with a common interest, mutual support within a group. Mm. And this group could be the collective, you know, like absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't. I think when we stick with allyship, it is it's still holding up the supremacy views of America, right? Like what it's saying is, oh, save me, white Kelly, you need to be my voice. And like, that's insanity. It's not mm. saying that the system is not real. I'm saying I want to destroy that system. And by continuously giving a platform to white people thinking that they can actually save me when, in my own opinion, they can't save themselves. That's part of the reason why we're in this space. It's like it's it's constantly being fumbled. You know what I'm saying? Like, And when we ask for allyship, we're asking people to reconcile their whiteness with rightness. And that is problematic in and of itself. You know, for me, I grew up Irish and black. And my experience with being a white woman in America is much more in alignment with then being a black woman in America. And that sounds crazy because if somebody saw me, they know that I fully present as a woman of color. There's like, I'm not a passing type of black person or any of that. So it lets me know that whiteness is a system because I automatically wanted to be like, it just is innate, right? Like when people talk about white people, I'm like, not my mother, not my family. Like I don't, now I don't even care about what is ailing that other person. I'm too busy defending my whiteness. Mm. And that stops the solidarity. Like it doesn't matter that I'm also white. It's, this is just not an okay thing. This is not right. And that's what solidarity brings to the table because then you don't have to deal with an internal battle right we kind of have already come into the agreement that systemic racism is wrong that patriarchy is wrong that misogyny is wrong these are things that we as a collective have already agreed upon so why are we reinventing the wheel I don't need you to reconcile your whiteness with what is right or wrong, because I assure you, white people will choose their whiteness every time, which is why it comes down to we feel it's performative. But mm -hmm. if you're stepping into solidarity and just like, ah, no, this is 
this is just not a right thing. Period. Yeah. Full stop. It doesn't need a qualifier. It doesn't need, you know, quantification. It doesn't need all of that. It needs you saying this is not right. It doesn't need you railing and like, look at me. I am a white ally and I will save the Negro people. Like that's, you can't. Thanks. It sounds like what you're saying is that it's more objective because when you get into sort of subjective Lucy terms or ways to identify, that gets a little bit wonky. Would you say that solidarity is more based on a subjective kind of, I mean, objective truth? Yes. Yeah. Because like I said, we've already, it's, it's agreements, isn't it? Like we agree in action. We agree even in silence, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, unless when somebody sees something and specifically for this show that we're talking about, when a white person stays silent against something that is wrong, that's already been agreed upon, that is wrong, and they stay silent, their silence becomes agreement with what was wrong. So right. that's why it's important to speak out, you know what I'm saying, and say no. Or like how we were discussing you being accountable every single step of the way in an issue. You can't just yeah. be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Totally right. made a mistake. I'm going to fix that. No, it shows in the action, like you said, like making these safer spaces, having these conversations, changing internal, like that's being in solidarity with what's wrong and what's happening to marginalized groups of people. Can I ask you a question um, about silence? Because that was hard for me in this situation was knowing when to say what to say. I think I spoke out in a way that I thought I was doing the quote unquote right thing. It fell short in a couple ways. And then for me, you know, legally, I can't speak to it publicly based on other agreements that I have with other business partners. And so that was, that's really weighing heavy on me. It's like, to me, this is a conversation that sort of is available to respect and uphold all of the agreements that I've made, like with business partners, et cetera. But I think the silence piece is challenging for white folks to know like what to say and and when and then that white silence is violence um phrase that gets do you believe that like that in that phrase as you're creating new language within your organization i think i i get get very uncomfortable with the word violence being used so loosely when people are experiencing real physical violence specifically. So I know that my feelings on the word violence is really controversial because who am I to say what is violent to another person? Um, But why silence is violence in the sense is because like what I just said, it, it agrees with whatever egregious act is happening. So yes, it applies, but there's like nuance to everything. So that's kind of like, I, I don't have a solid pin on my feelings on that completely. Like it is, but uh, like that kind of, you know what I'm saying? And then I think that that's another thing is like, we're trying to release binaries and constructs and it just goes from one end to another. And there's no space for any in between. Like I, in your specific situation, I, my main thing was just upholding the truths of both parties. 
like there's a portion where, you know, like, yes, your apology felt very real and very heartfelt and very honest for reformation and retribution, but I also know you. So, and I remember when things happened in your own business that were in the similar vein against you, and I know how that was harmful to you. So that's what we mean about connection. Like if I'm just labeling you as like this white woman in business in the spiritual marketplace, yeah, that shit was performative as fuck. But because I know you is why I also reached out. Like you can't do it this way because you need to separate yourself from those other people that do this all the time because this is a lived truth. This is a lived history of black people and this happening. And so silence and it, it there's a lot of gray you know what I'm saying and it it takes a lot of connection to move through those spaces and why these conversations are needed and you know I would like Venetia to speak also more about like I love like we do compartmentalize like this is Kelly at work and this is Kelly at home and this is Kelly the wife and this is Kelly the witch and it's we're all of these things, but because we compartmentalize them, it's like, oh, but I have, uh, you know, a very diverse work team. Yeah, but you don't have black people in your life that would have this conversation with you. So, like, what does that look like? Bringing all of those systems together, and Venetia has great thoughts on that. So I'm gonna pass that. Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's important to ask ourselves, like, why do we compartmentalize? And a lot of that has to do with fear. A lot of it has to do with trying to protect ourselves. A lot of it has to do with maybe what area, which area of our life we're prioritizing and maybe feel the wor most worth and value in. Mm. You know, maybe that side that we're allowing people to see the most versus the one we're allowing people to see the least. Yeah. So you're preaching right there. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, we're all, we're all fragmented in in various ways and how mm -hmm. we show up and so you know solidarity also has to do with consistency you know it has to do with being consistent and I feel like us trying to vie for certain labels has really nothing to do with our actual integrity at the end of the, at the end of the day because mm -hmm. when we ascribe labels to things, to people, to situations, we also are robbing that person or situation of its potential. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the language that we use, for example, when I, like we were talking about violence, we were talking about allyship, you know, and I've noticed throughout, you know, 2020, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, going on social media, seeing some of the conversations, seeing some of the words being used, it feels like a battlefield. And we're mm -hmm. using words that we would also mm -hmm. ascribe to war and to a battlefield. So how can we shift our language so people aren't triggered thinking they're in the middle of a war? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's a, that's a very interesting point. How do she we? was on it. <laughs> how do, I was like, well, it's like, how do we? And that, that's what this is, right? This is... It's this. It's yeah. going to start, you know? Right. We always talk about the microcosm and I'm always amazed within the spiritual community. It's not very spiritual. Mm, <laughs> it's very human. You know, we... Um, 
you know, and then we rail against people like you, right, with the spiritual marketplace. And it's like, I I'm a business mind. Hey, you made money. Go for it. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, the truth of the matter is this is spiritual. This is God work, right? This mm -hmm. is facing your flaws. This is it. And like how Venetia said, it's like wrapping it all in love and light and whiteness ain't it. That's right. not a lot of spiritual work, you know. Um, my foundation is Christianity. I told you I grew up Irish Catholic, you know, and I battled with all of that. But it's like one of the parts that I loved was like literally how human Jesus made himself. You know what I'm saying? He was with the people like his his whole crew were like hood people. Like he was like, nah, I'm gonna need you to come with me. Nah, you, this one with a knife. I need you. And like that was the whole intent of the story, right? Was like this God coming to earth to sanctify our lives. But it was about having that human experience. So I noticed that we throw a lot of words around in all of the spiritual realms, be it, you know, Christianity or the new witchcraft or old witchcraft and it's like it's about human experiences it's really why i appreciate um you know like very older less sy systemic types of you know religions because it really speaks to your human experience mm. and everything i do is godlike because i'm god and it's just that simple and when we like she like Venetia said, when we're ascribing language and words and it's like it's just causing more of a disconnect. Mm. Aren't we all in this very small Atlanta community trying to make money off of our spiritual gifts? Some are going to be more successful in business. That's just what it is. But railing against a person based on just that alone, taking up the torch, especially in this system that of what happened is performative for me yeah because if this is how you felt this entire time about kelly y'all should have been said something now it's not fair to jump onto the coattails of the back of somebody and add a hundred on ten especially when it's a black woman black women are so hard pressed to be heard they're constantly silenced. People don't believe you anyway. So when you have white people jumping off the boat with their own agendas and adding more to the story, it becomes performative. And, yeah. it, be, and it dismisses the true needs and solidarity. Like the act in and of itself, as it stands, was harmful enough. Right. We don't have to make amazing stories about the black experience. It's it, it's here. It's real. It's happening. And mm -hmm. I don't need anybody like like I said with that allyship. Like, well, watch this. I will save you. I'm gonna take up the torch, put on my cape, and run with it. Nah, I just need you to sit right here, agree with what I'm saying, and let's talk about the facts of what's going on and that's spiritual work digging in deep mm -hmm. facing the ugly and not only that noticing yourself right in a situation like that if you can see how many people i'm looking at with the side eye that are saying things and i'm like 
<laughs> come on. I, I Don't make me call you out. What I want you to do is be an adult, act in your spirituality, and really sit with yourself and see how you too have been a part of this system. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't do that in this spiritual community. It's just, you know, wrapped up in all of this love, light, and look at me, I'm a good white person. And we need to dig deeper. Like if we're going to really be a spiritual collective and be working to as healers, then we need to heal ourselves first, right? Like Venetia said, like that's the dark. And people mm-hmm. don't want to face that. The dark is me. You know, the dark is like, I, I've been there. Like, the dark is, like I said, having grown up uh, biracial. God, I've been that horrible white woman. Ugh. Like, I shudder at 18-year-old me in a sociology class. I'm like, who the fuck and why? <laughs> <laughs> like, if they had YouTube back in my day, I'd be canceled, I assure you. <laughs> so... <laughs> It, it That's what it is. It's like we need to actually be a healing community, actually operate in solidarity, dig deep into shadow work, and really let's examine, you know, the splinter in our own eye before we start, you know, knocking that uh, log off of our sister's eye. Like that's the deep work. That's spiritual. And you can't heal a damn person if you haven't started healing yourself. And that's a constant thing. You don't go take a class and go on a visit to some country and like, okay, love and light. Here I am to heal. It's constant. It's daily. It's every day. It's God work, period. Absolutely. And like to, to, to follow up that too, it's like, you know, that dark, that darkness is potential. That void Man. is potential. That's the space that we're creating and like, mm-hmm. like we need to bring validation to that and yes. like mm. black people you know disenfranchised collectives of people are that potential mm-hmm. you know and kind of speaking on the whole aspect of how we're showing up as a spiritual community i i always talk about being being reactive versus being responsive because reactive is that toxic masculinity is mm-hmm. that positive principle that ends up burning us out because mm-hmm. reactive we're doing the same actions over and over expecting different results Insanity. looking crazy crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> instead <laughs> so of sitting and processing and being response able able to respond mm-hmm. what a magnificent concept to be able to respond because then that's when we have a conversation You know, then that's when everyone can be heard. Everyone can sit at the table and be heard. And what I, you know, us sitting down and taking that time to process is so key because we already know how energy flows. Like we understand consciousness and anything that we touch, we're extending and investing our energy into. Because if so, if our energy is chaotic, it's not grounded it's it's still like in that processing point then mm. we're not actually contributing anything to a situation to allow it to um actualize and shift in some way and yeah. we're not a conduit for the energy it's now everywhere and chaotic unfocused and if we need to be the conduit we need to be the grounding force if we're going to call ourselves healers and i love what i, I don't remember where i heard you say this Vinny. she said i have no intention of creating a 
friction without fire? Was that what you said? Where it's like the productive the productive friction that actually creates an alchemized situation as opposed to just friction. Were you saying as opposed to friction for friction's sake? It's like it's like, you know, two two groups of people arguing on either side of a ravine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> Or like I think I said it in that video, it was like two pieces of flint that are really angry, mm. you know, and like just just talking smack on either side. It's like, no, you need to come together, have those rough moments, create a spark and, you know, ignite that flame in order to burn mm. whatever it is that needs to burn off and reveal whatever is like beneath the surface of the situation. Because yeah. otherwise we're all acting from a place of like a surface reality or identity that we're trying to uphold. Mm-hmm. For sure, for I, sure. It's like what you said, like with the compartmentalizing, it's easy when we rail against another because we don't have to deal with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and usually what we react to opposed to respond to is some of our own shit. Like, no, that can't be true. Oh, yes, it is. And it's like, Mm-mm, sit with that. Like yeah. you just said, like be able to respond, sit with that, see how you two have that within you because we're all reflections of each other. That's, that's it. We're just reflections of each other. And if we are working in a healing space to connect, we recognize that. Like I see you in me. I see him in me. I see them in me. And how do we get to a space where we're acting in solidarity and that, comes from internal work that's seeing mm-hmm. how I have been harmful too right. in various ways even me myself Desiree like I know I've been harmful to others let me see how I could work on that yeah and for then sure. I can help others see that and that was really helpful for me as you've been guiding me through the situation is that difference between reactivity and responsiveness and just at certain points you said to me you just have to let this go You just Mm -hmm. have to let this go and know that you've taken the steps that you can in integrity. And then every once in a while I come back to you because I'm like, oh (sighs) shit, like I'm feeling the pressure, the external pressure to react instead of respond. And I've been hearing, you know, people want to hear from you in this kind of way or want you to do this kind of thing in order Mm -hmm. to kind of like get back on board. And it's like, but I feel like I'm doing the work to respond in due time and that's what matters and with patience but it's hard I guess what I'm saying is too it's like hard it's hard general right mm-hmm. but also yeah I'm just curious about the external pressure and if that's real or it's like if those people even it's matter it's real yeah I it's think that- totally real it's absolutely real and then in this society we all share this you know it's a microwave society I post pictures of my kids on Instagram they're like you know what I'm saying like it's it's now you see what's happening right now right. you know what i'm saying like i'm angry right now i'm typing it i'm posting it i'm tweeting it i got a picture of it right now i'm eating this burger right now so of course that's mm-hmm. gonna trickle down into what are you doing right now yeah. but that's impossible when we want real change now you want performance oh i can give it to you hold on type post happy picture yeah. And keep it moving. But that's not the internal, you know, I share my own personal life on my page. It's like, because even in like, like, like what Venetia said, I don't compartmentalize myself to just my work. I share my journey with my husband. The pictures look great. 
let me show you what has happened in between these photo ops. Yeah. Let's talk about the work it took to trust again, to love again, to move through having three children in the span of seven years, to be 40 and up with a hundred kids. (laughs) Like (laughs) those are real things. And that takes time. That is a journey. Period. So like though people want to see things now, there has to be a part where we release that, especially as healers in this community. Mm. In anything, you're never going to please all the people all the time. I love Mm. my mom always let me know that. But especially in the healing community, it's why we have so many different spirituality practices. Right. So many different religions, even within one religion, like, you know, like, let's take Christianity, how many different factions of it, because you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah. Like, so they have to get to what resonates. Yeah. One of my teachers said a third of the people are always going to hate you. A third aren't going to give a shit and a third are going to like you. And you just got to get like comfortable with that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And really, it should only matter that you're operating in integrity. Right. Like I'm doing the best that I can and honoring all the spaces. And I think that when people do that, we get away from what Venetia was talking about of being compartmentalized. Right. We're acting then as an integrated whole person. Yep. That is so a true. whole entire being. And it is what it is. And I'm sorry that, you know, I mean, look at, I, I assure you that people are going to have issue with Venetia and I doing this work for various reasons that I'm yeah. not about to list now um, and for who we're doing the work with. But we're operating in our integrity, mm. believing in the truth of our work. And that's much more of a higher calling than a couple of likes or purchases. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I'd like oh. to add, like, as far as that pressure, I mean, we're conscious. We're, we're constantly tapping into the consciousness that surrounds a situation. So that pressure is, yeah, is everyone else's, including yours. And it's, it's what we're healing. Anytime yeah. we have those big, heavy, you know, energies coming, like, you know, adding that pressure, that's the work. That's what we're working on. Yeah. And so, you know, we just have to respond differently and maybe encourage other people to do the same. Like if there's a if there's a lot of anxiety about having to show up, maybe it's like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm taking some time to ground myself. Maybe we should all do that. You know, yeah. like yeah. offering that solution, you know, and some people, they can choose to take it or leave it. But mm. it's the most constructive thing to do in that moment. So even just creating a space Absolutely. for people to think, hey, why don't you also stop and process too while I process? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, for and sure. Then can, and then we can come back to this. This is why we this is why we give kids time out. Maybe we should. And this is why we're shifting. <laughs> that's shifting energy too, though, isn't it, V? Because yeah. then that's like, okay, now collectively we're all moving into a processing space. Like in my own work, when I provide people with counseling, I trust your triggers. Like that's my famous line trust your triggers. Wherever you are triggered at is where your healing lies. Because that's yeah. some shit you need to work on. Trust For your sure. triggers. So if you're feeling anxious, like V said, like, mm-mm, mm-mm, that's where it is right there. Yep. Get yeah. into that. Get into that. Pause mm-hmm. and get into that. Trust your triggers. You guys also had me thinking, since we're making new words, and you were saying, um, what about the word responsible is interesting because it's being able to respond. Exactly. Because you were, talk- 
Yeah, you mm-hmm. were talking about how you broke up those words. So it's also actually the responsible thing to do to mm-hmm. be able to respond as opposed to react. You probably already thought of that because you're a wordsmith. But for me, it's like, ding, ding. <laughs> I love playing yeah. with words. They're so enlightening. They're definitely a They tool. really are. I enjoy etymology. It's so much like, ah, well, where did this come from? How did this yeah. come about? Because yeah. it's, words have meanings, people. That's why you guys came up with all those cool words in the white fragility spaces. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my God. So, I love like, it. we need to change some of these words. Like, and language shifts and it moves, yeah. you know, and that's what we need to be doing it is shifting. Yeah. Which is your, your mission yeah. here. Mm-hmm. With your, it's with your in the name. Yes. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, this has been really great to actually cover these white performative measures because that was something that was very, it was a secondary to my process, right? Because I'm dealing with my own um, feeling, like I was saying, pressure to react and being able to try not to do that and to respond. And then watching sort of the momentum of mostly Honestly, mostly white people were the ones that were piling on some of this um, extra stuff to the initial the initial issue. Is there anything else that you would want to talk about regarding performative measures? Like, what's the difference? I mean, we've kind of covered it, the difference between true work and the performative work. But is there anything else to add? Y'all are exhausting. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> honestly, meaning, white, white people... people are exhausting like because it's just like just stop like like v said respond i don't we collectively we need your solidarity we don't need you to embellish upon our stories we don't need you to cancel i actually just tweeted this morning i was like you canceling like your white family and then railing against black people to vote is ridiculous and it's rot in your bias because that's what you're doing. Mm. You're canceling this white person when the work is not canceling that white person. The work is, hey, let me call you in here, sis. Isn't that what you guys talk about in these groups? Like, you know what I mean? Like, call in, not call out culture. Like, cancel culture is lazy. Mm. It's lazy to me. So... And I was asked that when all of this happened in one of the, you know, many groups that this was being discussed. They were like, "Um, are you asking her to be canceled? I was like, no, I'm asking for her to be held accountable for what happened. I'm going to offer this work if she doesn't want to do this work and just wants a little PR blurb, cancel her ass. But there has to be steps before canceling, right? We can't just say cancel somebody because... Did we give them the chance to really shift? Because then that just pushes people back into their corners. So what happens? We cancel you. You go and talk to a whole bunch of other white women that say, oh, that was awful. They went too far. You're being cajoled, you know, and like, yes. And now you're dealing in your white fragility. Like, oh, my God, that was horrible. I really didn't mean to. And it's like, aren't y'all tired yet? Because we're fucking exhausted. We're fucking exhausted with all of that. So. That's what it is, is like, call the person in. Like, if we have to make steps for this, you know, call the person in, see what they're really doing, make them aware. If they're not willing to do actionable steps and accountability and making shifts, yeah, we don't need to be bothered. Yeah. That's interesting. Other than that. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. 
No, you're fine. So, I mean, cancel cancel culture is really dismissive. It's dismissive. It's, it's lazy as hell, too. It's, it's really lazy. <laughs> so lazy. Do you know how hard I'm railing against my own Trump-supporting family members? Like, it's easy for me to just say, yeah, I'm done with you. And then, like, go argue with black people. Like, you need a vote. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I need to go right back to the source of the issue. Because that is the majority voter for a Trump regime. And canceling them is lazy. Right. Period. And how, and you know, how you handled it, Des, like right when the, when the shit storm really started to pick up locally, um, was how I wish most people would have handled it. Because a lot of people that have been railing against me the most literally have my phone number. Or I've literally <laughs> been to their house or like out to dinner. Like truly. Um, right. Like what you would call friends. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like, at least acquaintances to where like you have or my... or ha, let's play with the words wouldn't you probably consider them allies which is why y'all be exhausting this is what we're talking yeah, about yeah 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 like but but maybe i can like i mean it might be helpful for me to walk through the steps that you did that i'm going to model myself after in the future so this thing hit the fan you know um uh, and then you actually said kelly can you present or give clarity or respond to this accusation? And then I did. And as I needed clarification, you're like, well, is this true? Is this true? And you kept on asking questions until you got to the most basic version of what happened. And you're like, okay, I get it. Now I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire and I'm gonna organize in this way and that way. But you took the time for me to explain the circumstances you didn't make assumptions or accusations until you had the facts finding um, expedition, and then yeah, you activated you know people in a certain way as you felt mm-hmm. fit to ensure that I wasn't just going to be like yeah I said my piece later you know yeah um, it's accountability and then I feel like too this was also helpful like in the conversations I also explained a little bit how some of the calls to action that were to create awareness of like a bigger company or the bigger issues were actually really uh it was counterproductive to what the goal was yeah and then you're like okay yeah i see that you know like that makes sense to me you know it was an Mm -hmm. exchange i wasn't saying like stop doing this i'm just saying Okay, can you help me understand why you made this call to action? Because here's actually the the real date, like to the minute um, effect of that call to action. You're like, yeah, that makes sense to me, you know, and whatever. And so I wasn't asking you to like, hey, leave me alone. Stop, you know, organizing, you know, stop whatever. No. But it's like, here, can, can you left the space for me to, to exchange? And so... I guess in the future, I mean, hopefully I'm not sitting in the seat again, but like as I'm evaluating other people in these circumstances, I'm definitely going to take those steps. Like, hey, can I ask you about the truth of this? You know, can mm-hmm. I ask you the follow-up questions? Um, yeah. So I just wanted to lay that out for people who are listening because they're going to say like they might ask, you know, I don't know. I haven't been modeled another way besides to mm-hmm. like repost on Instagram with additional information that may or may not be true. And so I just wanted, <laughs> right. I just wanted to like lay out another model for how to, through my experience about how to to navigate that. 
Um, Good. That's a good thing because I think that that's, and then that goes right back to the initial of like the labor of black people. So like if we have somebody on this microcosm like yourself, that is a local leader within, you know, even if people don't want to admit, like, I think all of us would like to be as successful in business in what we love. I think that if you're in business and you are doing something that you love, we'd all like to be successful. I think that that's just a truth, um, period. I don't want to get into this and not be. Um, So I think if we're dealing with that and you, as I would consider a leader within this community, having the most public persona, have a new way of modeling and not being performative, this is how the labor then kind of gets alleviated from black women. Like, see, now now you can go make another group, (laughs) like, and sit down and be like, no, this is how we need to do this. Because now I, like, I have check-in systems on why this doesn't feel authentic to me. Is Mm -hmm. this work authentically mine? Does it belong to another culture, another space? How did I come into this? You know, how did this idea, how did this language, how did this song, how did whatever come into my stream of consciousness? Yeah. And I think that that's where we alleviate alleviate the strain on black women and put the work onto white people because it's you guys that need to do the work. Yeah. And that was one of the most illuminating points that you picked out because I was like, this was an accident, right? Like this was totally like, I felt like I was just grabbing it out of thin air And then you said to me, like, in what world would that be a white woman's thought? (laughs) That's thanks to Venetia. We were watching uh, Bring It On. And it was like, that's what this is. Like, literally, that's like, there's no way you thought that. None. Right. And so, and, and that awareness now to me is like, Okay, cool. Like that to me out of maybe I don't want to say it's like the biggest takeaway because there's so many, but that was a huge takeaway. And the second biggest, can I share my second biggest takeaway? Is that productive? Was mm-hmm. was how when um, people were trying to be supportive of me, right? Be like, oh, you know, honest mistake. I get it. Like, love you, whatever. And then, and then the awareness that's like, well, no, they have to be supportive of both sides. Otherwise, you're just the white victim. And that mm-hmm. I will never forget. And as I've been talking to, and this is why I want to share this with you guys, because your work with me is awesome, you know, however, I and you've mentioned this before, it's like for me to carry it forward, like what you're saying, for the white people to do the work. And so as I've been talking to my friends who of course are gonna be like, I support you, I'm so sorry this happened, mm-hmm. whatever, I say to them like, yes, and I fucked up and I made this mistake and, and really you have to, if you're gonna be a friend to me, you have to acknowledge that I made a mistake and that you're going to hold me accountable. So I'm telling you things that I'm trying to do so that you can check in with me, you know, in a few weeks or a few months and say like, how is that going? Like what, what ever came of that? Um, Accountability. A, right. And so I was, you know, I think it was Venetia that said about learning through experience. I'm a hundred percent an experiential learner. And so a lot of these concepts from the book clubs and the YouTube videos <laughs> and the whatever were like a real intellectual understanding and not an integrated understanding and you know this was a hugely painful experience for me overall and I got I got I got it like in a different way because I lived through the fires of this 
thing. And, you know, people have asked me and my team or people that associate with us, like, all the things you're saying is are great. How do I know that you're actually going to do this shit or you're actually going to change, right? Because I think that's a lot, a lot of people do. It's like you see big companies do that. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to donate a million dollars to Black Lives Matter and call it a day or whatever. Right. And the only answer I have is because I've changed. Like I have changed and I can't go back and I'm different. So I mean. It's a paradigm shift. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. If you could shift someone's thought process, then you'll shift their actions. Yeah. Just that simple. Yeah. They can't go back to thinking a different way. Then it's, then you are purposefully doing so. You're just saying, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's another level. That's definitely cancel level. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we have to trust ourselves, whether we're inside the situation or outside the situation, to uphold new systems and new paradigms and also be able to seek constructive support for that because right. that's mm-hmm. that's connection. If we're all right. connected going into it, we'll be all connected going through it. Right, right. And, yeah, there's like a level of investment right is with that connection too it's like i'm invested in your success and your growth and you're invested in my success and growth because we're that's solidarity right also being invested in one another um Mm -hmm. so anyway thanks for letting me share that part i i would never have come to these awarenesses i don't think if this situation hadn't arisen like in this way um because there's no escaping the there's no escaping. Well, I guess there is escaping because I guess there are people that do that. But for me, it's like feels like on a cellular level, um, like a shift. You made shift. You helped me make shift happen. TM. Mm. <laughs> that may yeah, already be business. trademarked, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> Look at it. She's trying to get us into some shit. <laughs> So what else do you want to, what else do you guys want to chat about? I mean, I feel like, you know, kind of going back to the, you know, on a real tip, talking about the, you know, talking about the community and our friendships within a community. Yeah. Um, you know, that whole love and light shit. Excuse my language. Um, but we can cuss. It's fine. Yeah. Cool. Because like. That was so cute in Southern. Did she say cuss? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cuss. go. Um, but, um, <laughs> but it's like, you know. It's important for us to be honest about the words that we're using when we talk about our associations and check ourselves and make Mm. sure that we're operating within the consciousness of that word. Um, Kind of going back to that, because I've had a I was involved in a situation very similar to to what, Mm -hmm. you know, the larger one that brought us together. And I was on the the offended side and I didn't feel very supported, but I had people coming at me, calling me their friend without giving me that support and offering dismissive language saying that this was drama no Mm. in in no point or capacity you know when it comes to my business will I attempt to be dramatic like if anything it's I'm I'm here to do work I'm here to be constructive you know and I mean talk about consistency that's just where I am all over the place and, and if, that's such a dis. I'm so sorry that happened to you because drama is a dismissive word, isn't it? 
it's oh you're dramatic so it's like literally it kind of comes with the physical waving of a hand oh it's just drama it's easy to be dismissed and, and so in a way I felt canceled so I I, mm. I in that moment felt canceled <laughs> because you know I felt in that moment oh so you don't see me so you're not my friend because you don't know how I operate and so it was like that, that was when I was like, I, I felt like that was just very, I just felt invalidated very, very much in that moment because I wasn't being seen in, a, you know, in a, in a space that was assumed to be more intimate. Mm. Yeah, that's hurtful. And then it, I, I don't like the word drama. Like, I just don't, especially when ascribed to a woman of color, because it feels very in line with the trope of angry black woman. Mm. Like, why are you all of a sudden dramatic? Like, Venetia is the most leveled energy person I've encountered in a long time. Like, right. it would never be a word ascribed to you from me. And I don't think most people that have been in your sphere of energy, like there's pretty even temper, pretty grounded person. So saying that was really kind of disgusting. But again, it's it's a point of separation. It's not mm-hmm. wanting to perhaps be labeled or a certain way or, or lumped in with the other. And, you know, I I myself tried to show up and do work and be extremely supportive and hold a lot of space, even though I was like in a in a place of high vulnerability and anxiety and I was Mm -hmm. still attempting to respond to the other party in such a way that was like you know I'm here we can work this out I'm here to talk but then I see situations where it's like no they're running back to their echo chamber and Mm -hmm. that's that's the problem they're not ready for the experience Mm. and some people just aren't ready for the experience And for me, that's why the solidarity work is so much better because it's like, okay, like, cause everybody can't come where you're going to go. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody, like, you know, me with my whole like Christian views, it's like everybody couldn't get on Noah's boat. Like, okay, (laughs) enjoy the flood. (laughs) I don't care. Like, you know, (laughs) and then it also makes us have much more authentic, connective relationships. And so even when it hurts, you know, you just kind of let that go. And it's cool because now you don't have to be in this inauthentic space with these people who call you friend, but don't know how to actually act in the solidarity of that word. And usually when I experience people like that, even if it's not directly my experience, I take a look at themselves and are they friends to themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like, because our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. So most likely, they're not even friendly to themselves. They're unkind to themselves. They're disloyal to themselves. They don't trust themselves either. So for me, it's just like not a loss. It's just like, oh, thank you for showing me who you are. And I shall move on now. And and something that just kind of hit me is, you know, we're talking about accountability. And there's also the, to- like, the term like token black friend you know or token Mm -hmm. whoever friend and it's like that's that's all language about currency you know Mm -hmm. it's all language about currency you know and it's like are you are you trying to cash in in order to label yourself a certain way or are you investing Mm -hmm. oh I like that (laughs) I guess well I mean I might ask this question is how would it have looked 
to feel supported or not even feel supported, be supported by a friend in that kind of situation. So you've described, you know, feeling or like all the friends. So the word drama obviously was a was a no, no and like a real dismissive thing. What was what would it look like just for people listening that might find themselves? I feel like we want to leave people with some action steps. Is it reaching out to you to say, man, I've, I've been watching this and this must be hard for you. And I am I'm really sorry you're going through this. How can I support you? Is it is it that? Well, I mean, what, what does it look like? It, to, to me, because yeah, it was it was the point about it being called drama that upset me as well as something along the lines of being like, well, I already have enough stuff on my plate. And so mm-hmm. I already felt like my experience was negated Got and it. that the way that I was handling it was just inappropriate. I felt like I was being called out as being inappropriate in some way, even though I've been very respectful. So I feel like the appropriate way to have reached out would just to, to be to actually be a friend and be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, do you, so do you do you want to like have some tea? Do you want to talk for a second? Like just hold space for me. Like you don't even yeah. have to ask me a specific question because maybe that question in itself is not something that I'm ready to answer. But right. if you just open up the space for connection to take place, I, I may or may not accept it or I may say, hey, I just need a little bit more time. But I but thank you for seeing me. Thank yeah. you for reaching out and making a point of connection because yeah. it's it's going to vary from situation and, and to situation and depending sure. on the individual. It's like just be willing to show up and hold space space for me without having to label any of it yeah that's great that's wise I think also from watching that from the outside is because sometimes people can't show up right like that's just real but then don't show up for one and not the other when you guys have our mutual connection especially do you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying like don't Mm That's that love and light bullshit you know like oh like I'm processing I'm dealing Funny, because you weren't processing and dealing and not wanting to be involved when supporting the other party. But now when coming to support me, whom you also call friend, all of a sudden it's just too much and there's so much on your plate. Like, fair enough, because there's just times where we can't show up and that's that takes connection to know who and when and why and can. And even if it's just like, you know, like she said, shooting a text, like holding space, but do not be supportive on one end, like in the situation where, you know, you and I, Kelly, connected. I wasn't just, I was talking to both parties and I want to hold truth up. I don't care who these parties are. Both truths deserve to be held, to be Mm. cared for. And that is really spirituality. That is holding space not being in a space that only makes you comfortable that's love and light bullshit holding real space is holding truth up absolutely and it's like because outside of that it's just supporting a binary Mm -hmm. right because if we want to create space and you think about it from like a geometric standpoint we have to we we start off with the two points in the situation Mm -hmm. that's just a line segment you know that's just showing the direction of a situation but if you're able to like work with both sides then you create this triangle you're creating a space Mm -hmm. you're creating Mm -hmm. something we can build with Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that's awesome and and you know you've talked a lot about separation and 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 how that's i guess not the ideal form of conflict right i mean this that that line in the two the two sides it keeps people 
in that us versus them mm-hmm. sort of that's that and that's also a binary yeah right is that what you mean when you say binary is that what you mean like as an example of one like what are the main binaries that you're that you guys see in this work that keeps it separate right wrong black mm. white uh we apply it everywhere. You know, I don't want to get into words yeah. that might get us all into something. So like, sure, let's just sure, sure, sticking sure. with this, like, but right and wrong. Something like that's what the spectrum is, right? Yeah. Like if we're saying, you know, binary, like Venetia just pointed out, it's one point to another. That is a spectrum. And there's a whole lot, you know, it's the old saying of like, there's a lot of gray before you get to black and white. There's tons of various mm-hmm. shades before we get to those two very real points in which it ends. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is the binary concept. Like, oh, well, nope, this one's right, that one's wrong. And that's done. And it's lazy. It is lazy as hell. It's not always the answer. You know, most things are about the questions. Uh, like how do we get deeper? How do we connect more? How did we get here? Like, which to me was much more important in the work I was doing with you is how did we get here? And obviously, you know, this has been something that was ongoing and like it helped you uncover systems, like you said, with the people within your organization. How did we get here is a great question to start digging Mm -hmm. deep into shadow work. How did we, even for your own self, how did I get here? We're all a sum of our choices, period. Yeah. Well, I wanted to touch a bit more on that spectrum concept because it is, it starts off as a line, but as we are, as our experience becomes more enriched and we're open to um, adapting as we move through, because adaptation, that's like, that's fifth dimension, that's 5D stuff. And I'm always trying to bring it back to like the capacity in which I'm working. And 5D, um, if you're talking about the chakras, it relates to the throat chakra, it's communication. Mm. So adapting what we're saying with our language, adapting what we're hearing from people and being able to play with that within a certain framework or discipline or goal of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm actually attempting to do collective work instead of just um, protecting the individual or the mm-hmm. um, individualized group but in terms of like the actual spectrum since since sometimes I do work with graphics I think of like the color wheel mm. because if you have different li- if you Can't have that. like lines creating different colors and you're try- trying to work within the full spectrum if you're using lines you have to use three of them or four of them because it's like CMYK or RBG depending on like what type of you know, graphic you're trying to make, but I won't go into all of that. (laughs) So the color wheel is a really great way to just have one point of reference for the, for the shade or the color or the experience of what you're seeing or what you're perceiving in the whole spectrum of experience, the experience in this case being color. Mm. I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) I think I need to, I need to marinate with that longer. You know, and, and sit with that with that longer. Um, but I, I love how you as a teacher, you use a lot of similes and metaphors and and um, bringing it to, like you just said, like with colors and shapes to create like new neural pathways and how mm-hmm. to understand something. So for me, sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to like listen, rewind and listen to that again to see if I can entrench the teaching, you know? Because, yeah, because we're all about making new connections on so many levels. Constantly. And, like, if 
if we can think about things in a different way, I mean, that's storytelling, right? It's literary. We are mm -hmm. born from the mythic structure. Mm -hmm. So we have to go back to using literary device in order to help people think differently and therefore do and experience differently. Mm. That's true. Absolutely. Storytellers, truth tellers have been upheld in every society as some of the greatest to ever do it, right? Because it's what we go off of. We love mythology. We love the tales. We love the myths because it's our only way to connect to what was, what is, what could be. And we've mm -hmm. lost that communication and that connection. And it's important to regain that space if we're really going to move into this next world, into the new space, into true connectivity, which is what will bring about a better world. Otherwise, we're going to keep yeah. doing this. We're going to keep cycling over and over and over again and never get off the damn wheel. And you say the word connection a lot, both of you guys, and it just brings me back to my spiritual practice and ritual work. And we always say that's the first step to ritual is connection, actually, like mm -hmm. connection to the self, connection to spirit allies, connection to the universe or whatever. And so because we are having conversations that bridge the gap between, you know, the physical and the spiritual, that word traverses all areas of life mm -hmm. and the inner landscape and the outer landscape and so um yeah it's 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 definitely one to chew on for a while like what does true connection look like for you or for me or or for for other folks and that's the only path forward regarding our community i would say locally is the willingness to have connection as opposed to the willingness to or how easy it is to retreat and that's the shadow work double down that's yeah. the shadow work because connection takes new agreements and new systems so you have to come into agreement with willing to check yourself check in be able to check other people that are near you you know what i'm saying and we've been told that certain things are just not okay to do and we have to let that go and say, no, it is, you know what I mean? Let's create something mm -hmm. new. Let's talk about things. Let's, you know, let, let's build that bridge. Let's create new systems. Yeah. Connection is energetic as well, right? Like you just said, like I'm connecting mm -hmm. the dots. It's all of that. It is, uh, you know, it is on a cellular level. It's, it's, it's all of the parts and pieces together. It is firing. It's the brain, the emotion. It's tactile. It's kinesthetic. It's emotional. It is bringing it all together to make one cohesive thing. And that is the goal. Mm. And I mean, connection, it's we're the connectors. We're, we're the magician. We are the medium. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. how we choose to express ourselves is our responsibility. And so in some areas, I get it. Some people aren't allowed to express themselves verbally. But like, let's figure out a way to hear each other. Where, where, are, you a, where are you a fantastic medium? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like, where, what is your connecting point? Where do you feel like you're able to express yourself in the best way possible? Because we have all these different modalities within our own community mm -hmm. for people to express and mm -hmm. to people to, for people to see those points that, that need support. Right. And so just kind of like looking at it from that angle, we're all mediums. We're all seeking connection. We're all the point of connection. 
And I mean, that's, I mean, that's just what we're here right. to do. That is our offering. There's, there's yeah. no part on our bodies that are not of use, right? Even the tiniest eyelash is there for a purpose, right? It helps protect the eye from getting anything in there. So all parts are important. We don't need to, everybody doesn't need to be, you know, the head or, you know, this limb. Every single portion of us is valid is important is needed is special it's worthy of being celebrated we don't have to we don't have to not be who we are like that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of spirituality and really being like venetia said a magician you can just be you and step into that god power and just be as magnanimous as above, so below, like in whatever it is that you do, be the best at it. Because, you know, in, in, in spaces where there is a lot of separation, we're unconsciously pressured to create these connection points that are inauthentic Mm -hmm. because we're still trying to protect ourselves. So, you know, whether that is, is through a product or service or what have you, and there's something there that doesn't quite feel like you, but feels like, you know, feels like, like some type of co-opting or, you know, other voice. It's like, that's just you. It's like the, like, I see the intention, but it's like, how does it relate back to who you are? Is there a personal story here? Mm-hmm. And in fact, can we see that? You know, it's like, you know, do you actually like this or are you just utilizing this as a means to draw in that type of crowd? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. It does make sense. And there's something that we've, you know, I've had to work on with our company because my goal and vision with Modern Mystic the whole time was to make this stuff mainstream and accessible. And now I can see how in the effort to do that, um, yeah, like some of our language isn't how I would necessarily speak or present myself just to create this accessibility or like this is, you know... It's not scary. This is like a little fun kit that's called Get the Fuck Out. Like, can you do it? (laughs) You know, I'm not, I'm not, but like, it's real fucking work. Like that ritual and that spell, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, if I call it something cute, then maybe someone would approach it and not be intimidated, but at what expense too? And that's what got me in, into the situation currently. Mm -hmm. So, um, just to kind of relate it back to something, a tangible example of maybe what you're speaking of. But also it's like, are you like, can you be cute? Like, you know, like, can you be cute? Like, just, you know, like, like as far as like when, when creating products and like putting that ethos out there, it's like, can you, are you cute though? Yeah. Like, like, does it, does it jive? Do you, yeah. Like, it's hard to, it's hard for me to express this right now. I will say, Um, I will say the get the fuck out, like name just out of it. Like that is something I would say. Yeah. But see, I'm going to tell you what it is, is that like, cause when you said that again, but connection, I know you, that sounds like you. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what Venetia is getting to. Like you can do this sounding like you. And I personally had huge, huge work to do with like, me like in my own space of my own healing modality I was like I had to get over a lot of imposter syndrome I had to get over Mm -hmm. a lot of like value placement like what certifications do I need and it's like nah boo it's you 
You are the magic. You are a healer. You are an oracle. You are these things and coming into alignment with that. And then my choice of language is mine. Um, I had to come into, you know, reconcile both sides of me too, being Irish and black. I feel just as comfortable saying like, uh, Everybody knows, like, I like my pumpkin spice lattes. And I'm like, let a white bitch be basic. It's me. I'm a white bitch. And I feel okay with that. Like, I don't feel like I'm, but it's really me. It's truly me. I align with who I truly am. And if get the fuck out is something that Kelly would say, Kelly should say that. And Mm -hmm. are you going to be appealing maybe to, like, Macy's? Maybe not. (laughs) But then they could get any of your other products that feel more comfortable for who they are. But it allows your voice to go through and then you wouldn't be in this situation of trying to find something that was accessible and cute, which is a part of who you really are, but wasn't yours. Yep. And authenticity and self-awareness are protection. That part. Wait, can you say that again? I understand this. Wait, authenticity and... Say that again. Authenticity and self-awareness are protection. Mm-hmm. Protection meaning, I'm confused, sorry. From Try. this situation. Oh. <laughs> like you just said with the, Protect, the fuck Protection out. from so like backlash. Or... Oh, I see, I see. I was seeing it as like uh, you were saying that authenticity is a defense mechanism, a protective okay. mechanism. So but you're saying is like you are protected. If you're in your authentic voice... That can't be replicated. People can't accuse you of anything because it's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to shift. We all, we, I mean, it's also necessary for us to shift how we see protection. Protection is not closing ourselves mm-hmm. off and isolating, you mm. know? It's allowing ourselves to be open in order to expand more. And knowing you know, you're and still become, safe. Yeah, yeah, to break through that space. Mm-hmm. I walk through this world as I am fully, wholly, and completely, and I'm still safe. I'm protected yeah. in that manner. Because I'm Because no assumptions can be made. Mm. Y'all are deep. We try. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Well, do you feel like we've covered everything? I mean, this doesn't have to be a one and done conversation. There might be more things to discuss at a later time. But mm-hmm. for the purpose of, of, of what you guys were hoping. I feel good about it. Yeah. I do too. I do. I think that we touched okay. on a little bit of everything. We okay. were able to like go off and still bring it back to what it was. So I think that that was good. And thank you for your guidance on that, Venetia, because you're really good about anchoring. I love you. Mm. And I would thank just you. like to offer like an accountability to whoever's listening to potentially, you know, uh, attend your event or get engaged with the event that you guys are hosting. It feels like what you're doing is really part uh, part of exactly what we're talking about. So is there anything you'd like to say about that so people can, can be informed and see if this if fits for them to participate? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're doing just to kind of kick things off is cre- create something called the Makeshift Happen Conference. And this is specifically directed toward wellness and spiritual practitioners, companies and brands, to have more open discussions on how we can um, set in place new agreements, um, you know, really shift the paradigm and create better practices and standards for us to all adhere to. Um, because, you know, for a lot of us, our business is personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, let's, let's get real about what we need to heal. Um, because if, if the work isn't being, if the work stops at us, that's, that's as far as it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And so how would they find information about that? You can follow Venetia Rumpf on Instagram or myself, Selenite and Sage, uh, but best to get all of the information compiled in one space would be go to 
www.makeshiftshappen.world. Aww. <laughs> and we'll put that. Yeah, we'll put that in the notes. We'll put that in the show notes. So if you guys want more information about uh, the event or how to engage with these women for your own businesses, because you guys are offering those sort of consultative services. Uh, we just want to make it easy. We'll have you click um, in the show notes and give them a follow on Instagram. And thank you guys. Uh, just thank you guys so much for making yourself available for this talk and for personally, you know, being there to support me and help me grow and shift and change. And yeah, I just, there's not enough words to express what it, how much you guys have really um, trans helped me transform and, and in the process of doing so I'm still you know we're all we're still working we all are so thank you very 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 much thank you for being open to it because that's the key we are all still working there is no one yeah. so righteous that they don't need to continue to work yes right. thank you Kelly great yeah thanks guys all right have a good day you too. bye bye